Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you in church this morning. My name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here at Victory Church, and it's a real privilege for me to be here, to be able to share with you this morning. And uh, just quickly, um, I'm actually a dad as well, and I'm pretty excited because last week we had child number six, and she's here today. And so we're going to get her dedicated later on today, which is pretty exciting. Kath has already mentioned that, you know, Father's Day is a great day for many, but for others, perhaps not so much. And I just want to have a look at a few things this morning about dads and fathers. And I started as I was beginning to prepare to think about just the word father. And what are perhaps some of the other words that come to mind? And I'll just put up, if we can put up on the screen quickly, my list of father words. These are the things that immediately came to my mind based on my experience both as a dad and but particularly as a son of my dad. Dad, love, security, strong, godly, hugs, interested, discipline, Freedom, smacks, encouragement, kind, firm but fair. And if I was going to go with more phrases, I'd probably use something like, you know, if I have to stop this car, I'll bang your heads together. You know, say sorry and give him a hug. You know, there's a whole bunch of phrases that come to mind as well, but carrying on with the words, fun, fishing, bushwalks, snorkeling, stories, camping, those Words and there'd be many more, that there's something that sum up my experience of father or dad as we were growing up. And hopefully something of that is for my kids too. But I'm mindful for many others that there's another list. And I began to think about some of the things that I could add to the list based on, I guess, some of the experiences of my friends, certainly based on what I've heard and seen as a pastor and as a teacher. And so this other list could be some other people's experience of father. Absent, abusive, put down, pain, busy, disinterested, harsh, left when I was young, doesn't listen, regret, drunk, rude, frightening, distant, silent, impossible to please, never knew him, even in this day and age, simply sperm donor. Father, it's a powerful word. But it brings together to, uh, to us so many different thoughts, so many different emotions, so many different experiences. And I want to talk a little bit about fathering today because I think, as a dad, it is the greatest thing a man can do. But I'm also mindful, it's also one of the toughest things a man can do as well. It's made even tougher by the fact that every one of us, as human beings, as children of fathers, was ultimately created for, as we've already heard this morning, a relationship with a perfect father. God, the father to whom no other father can really compare. Every one of us on this planet have been fathered by an imperfect man. Every one of us has had a fallen or a fractured father. God created us ultimately or initially in his image, but something went horribly wrong. And we just get a fractured image of the father In heaven. Some dads do a great job of fathering, and many here, I'm sure, could testify to that. 
Some dads do okay and manage to survive the experience. And others, unfortunately, just fail miserably when it comes to being a father or a dad. The good news is that God hasn't left us without hope as fathers. The Bible says a whole bunch about fathering. Some of it is specific instructions, very direct. You go to the book of Proverbs, there's some specific things that said about the way that fathers should bring up their children. And there's a lot in the Bible that is indirectly teaching us. The very nature and character of God himself teaches about God's ideal for fathering. But then we see the examples, good and bad, of different fathers that we read about in the Bible. Some fathers did a great job, some did a shocking job and left their kids open to all sorts of troubles later on in their life because of what they didn't do. So we can go to the Bible for help and instruction and direction when it comes to fathering. It also points forward to a day of better or longings fulfilled because ultimately every one of us is created for a relationship with a perfect father. And so irrespective of what we've experienced thus far, there are longings and desires within you as a son or a daughter that ultimately will be fulfilled in God himself. That's good news, folks. Sorry, I just skipped about 27 pages then. Not really. Okay, we'll be here all day. So I want to have a look today, I want to start by just looking at three things that good dads do. Okay, I want something for everyone here today. I want something for the dads, just to encourage you in what you're doing. Hopefully, possibly if there's some areas you, you, you hadn't seen before, hopefully it'll be helpful for dads. Hopefully it'll be helpful for those who are, who are kind of past the age where maybe you've got kids and they're off your hands. But I want you to understand, you know, this, this whole phrase that we've heard many times about, it takes a community to raise a child. And so your job is not over. You know, possibly you've got the season of, of grandparenting ahead. Possibly you're there now. But I can encourage you right now, I'll tell you right now, that there is a role for you as a dad amongst the kids of this church, amongst the, the, the already dads in this church. People need support. People need strengthening. People need encouragement. People need direction when it comes to being good dads. And so it never finishes. So if you've been a dad and think, well, I don't need to listen, please listen. Because you can encourage and help others. If you're a mum here tonight, this morning, you too can get alongside your man and help him and encourage him in the things I'm going to share about today. If you're a, a child here today, if you're a, a daughter or a son, which is all of us, I'm going to share some things at the end about um, you know, how we can deal with some of the disappointments of dads that don't quite make the grade. Okay, So I just want you all to tune in. Hopefully there's going to be something for everyone this morning. But I do want to start by talking about three things that good dads do. There's a whole bunch of things that good dads do, but I want to narrow it down to three this morning for the sake of time. And the first thing that good dads do is simply this, love. Good dads love. In John chapter, uh, sorry, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, John simply says this, that God is love. The very essence of God's being is love. His inclination to you, his natural inclination to you is warm affectionate, affection. He is passionate about you. And his desire is to do you good. That is at the very centre of the heart of God. Now, many people don't think about that when they think of the Father heart of God. They think of other things. They often think in terms of law 
and judgment, consequences and all of those sorts of things. But I want you to understand that whatever laws there may be that you read about in the Bible, whatever consequences that may come as a result of violating those laws, it comes out of a heart that is first and foremost warm and affectionate towards us, welcoming and open towards us and wanting the very best for us. Okay, so that's the first thing. God is love and even though we are fallen people, even though the image of God that, was, that we were created with has been fractured and in some cases it is barely recognisable, there is something of God in us still, all of us, to greater or lesser degrees. And, and in some people it's seen more obvious in one way and some others it's seen more obvious in another way. But every one of us as fathers has something in us of the nature and character of God. And this is true of love. Every one of us know what it is to love someone who bears our image. Something about our kids, you know, we look at our kids and, and, and there's something special about our kids. There's something about them that, that reflects us more closely than any other kid on the planet, as precious as they may be. And it might just be a crooked little toe or something that you can see that resembles you, but it makes them special in your eyes. And every one of us has been created in the image of God. The fact that we can love despite failings is something of a reflection of the nature and the character of God. You know, my kids, bless them, they have their good days and they have their bad days. But if you were to put my, my love for them on a graph, it's, it, it doesn't sort of follow their fluctuations of their behaviour. It doesn't fluctuate with their successes or their failings. It doesn't, doesn't like, had a good day, was really good, said please and thank you, got an A at school or whatever. I really love them today. Next day, had a bit of a bad day, got in trouble with the teacher, left some jocks on the floor, etc., etc., whatever it might be. Love drops to zero or, or, or beyond. No, we love regardless of what our kids do. That's something of a reflection of the nature and character of God. And the, second, the third thing is that we, we have a large capacity to love. And, and, and it, it's not, you know, when, when I had one child, I loved her. And I loved her seemingly with everything I had. But then we had another one. And it wasn't like the love was halved because we had another child. No, the capacity to love increases. It doesn't diminish. And then we had another one. And then we had another one. And then we had another one. And then we just had another one. <laughs> And I can guarantee this, that life gets trickier. <laughs> but God is not confronted with the same problems I have. He doesn't have limited resources. He doesn't have limited time like I do. But like I do, His love remains constant. It doesn't get thinner the more of us are, there are on the planet. God is able to love each of us, absolutely. And, that's, and we can do that, if we can do that, as fallen human beings, how much more our heavenly Father? And so some of the ways that God, God's love is reflected through us and in us. And I just want to say this, that the more closely our love can resemble the love of our Father in heaven, the better off every child will be. We mustn't allow, in this day and age, you know, there's all sorts of people saying all sorts of things and there's all sorts of family units that are sort of cropping up all over the place. And it seems like for many, 
corners of our society that the, the role of a father has been minimized, if not totally negated. But we cannot underestimate the power and the vital role that a father plays in the bringing up of their children, both boys and girls. Again, sometimes it's like, oh, well, you know, dads are better at bringing up boys and you know, the mums will look after the girls. No, 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 no. Boys and girls both need dads. And that, you know, how much they need their dads and how much they gravitate towards them, it varies. For those that are parents, you would know. There are some times when it's all about mum, there are some times when it's all about dad. But both, father and mother, are absolutely important. But what they bring, what they instill in their kids is different. Dads are important because they will help kids to understand that they are worth something. Now, again, not so that mum doesn't contribute, but at the end of the day, dad is significant in this area. Dads help kids to know that they are capable. Dads help their kids to feel secure in a way that mums not can't, but generally don't, okay? Mums always bring those things as well, but dads do it at a different level, in a different way. And it's absolutely important that we understand that. The sad thing for me is, if we're talking about love, is that many fathers love their kids absolutely and unconditionally, and they live their lives making great sacrifices for them, but their kids grow up feeling unloved. That is a tragedy, when people are bending themselves over backwards to show their kids how much they love them, and kids are going, my dad doesn't love me. We need to be able to recognize what it is that our kids need to feel loved and to keep their love tank topped up. You know, I've said this before from the pulpit, I wish kids had a little gauge on their forehead that we could just read, you know, and sort of work it out when they're getting empty and just top them up again with a hug or a kiss or a word of affirmation, encouragement, whatever. But it doesn't happen like that. Often it happens in, you know, there, there are behaviours that begin to um, exhibit themselves. Hannah, as I've again said from this pulpit before, Hannah was our gauge in our home that I was not around enough. When I wasn't around enough, Hannah would be the first person to show it. And her gauge, the way she would begin to show it would be, would be through her behaviour. She would begin to act out. And again, in the natural, when our kids begin to get a little bit prickly, a little bit frustrating, the natural thing is to come down like a tonne of bricks and to you know, bring the discipline and bring all those things. But, but fortunately, I had a wife who helped me to understand, no, no, this, this isn't that season. This is, the, this is just showing that you're not around enough. And she actually needs the opposite. She actually needs topping up. She actually needs some time. She actually needs some attention and some affection. And it's amazing how things would turn around really quickly when those things began to come back into the home. It was just that I was busy, you know, doing the thing you do. Fathers, we provide, we, we earn money, we do all the things that, you know, we're in demand and all those sorts of things are great. But if it, and we love our kids while we're doing all those things. But if we're not around, our kids are not going to feel loved. Time is absolutely important. We need to make time for our kids. Money's cool, but at the end of the day, money is not going to rate. When kids look back on their childhood, they're not going to think about, gee, Dad was really cool, he got me the latest Xbox, he got me the latest this, that, and everything else. It's going to be, was he around? They want you. They feel loved when you're actually around. Prioritize them. In your diary, you probably prioritize your boss. There's a whole bunch of things that you would prioritize. If you're an organized person, you've got a diary, you've got a calendar somewhere, you've got. Put your kids on there. If, you, if, you, if your life is so busy, if everyone around you is so demanding that your kids continually fall off the back, make sure you prioritize them. If you've got a stencil it on your forehead, time with kid, do it. 
Whatever you've got to do, make sure that you prioritize time with your kids or else you will leave them feeling that they don't really count. They don't really matter. They're just the end of a long list of other more important things in your life. Proverbs chapter 22, 27 verse 2 simply says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. I think that explains a lot. I think it explains when, you know, like with Hannah, better to be told off than be ignored. Better to get some attention than be ignored. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. We can love our kids, but if we don't show them, they're going to start acting up because they would rather have you tell them off than just ignore them. It's like, Dad, remember me. Here I am. Notice me. We need to know the source of these things. The second thing there is words. Words are powerful. We can use our words to build our kids up. Or if we're not careful, we can so quickly cut them down. Think about how we speak to our kids. Yes, we need to affirm them. And I don't think we need to over-affirm them. But we certainly need to encourage them and build them up and speak truth and all those things. But just know that your words, if, if, they, are, if they are pulling them down, tearing them, your words are going to come across louder than any other person's words on the face of this planet. And it can be massively destructive to them. So be encouraging. Show interest. Ask questions. Don't put your kids down. Touch. Again, this is a touchy subject, so to speak. We're living in an age where it seems like every man is feeling like an abuser because of the way that they're looked at by society. There's been some articles in the paper recently about guys that just, you know, having all sorts of issues at playgrounds because everyone's looking at them sideways. Everyone's suspicious about them. But at the end of the day, dads, we need to love our kids through physical touch. We have to. If we are not hugging our kids, if we are not kissing our kids, if we are not wrestling with our kids, if we're not giving them the touch that they, that they need and they desire, they're going to think, what's wrong with me? Particularly if as a as little girl or little boy, you've, been, you've brought them up wrestling, you've brought them up hugging them, you've brought them up kissing them and cuddling them and doing all of those things. And for, for, for dads of teenage girls, it's hard because suddenly, or just even below, before teenage these days, they're hitting puberty. They're starting to get little bumps and starting to look all pretty and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and as men, again, in the society we're in now, it's, it's very easy to stand back and think, hang on, I don't want people to think I'm a pervert. I don't want people to think I'm a sexual deviant by hugging my little girl. And so we can, if we're not careful, take a step back. And if we do, our little daughter, who's, who's just coming into that time when she needs her dad most of all, suddenly the person she needs most is no longer there doing the things he used to do, and she thinks, what happened? What did I do wrong? Am I not pretty enough? Etc., etc., etc. And so dads press in. And again, they will get prickly. And, and again, it's that fine line. We need to honor them. We need to learn uh, or help them to understand that no is no. But we also need to understand that sometimes their no is really just a test. You know, I can, I can tell the difference with my kids when, when, like, dad, leave me alone is actually no. I'm just, I'm just not up for it right now. And, and you know, I, and I can tell that by like a half a second of a hug, whether it's like, no, I don't. But I can also tell when it's like everything about me is saying no, but I just want it because they stay there. And they'll just let you hug them. And it's just kind of like that little gauge, little unseen gauge, the love tank gauge, just filling up. as we just spend time. And it might just be sitting in front of the TV with an arm around. It could just be giving a head massage or shoulders. or could be a hug. could be a wrestle. could be anything. But it's just physical interaction that our kids so desperately need. If we don't meet it, 
and particularly dads of girls, and if we don't meet that need, they will find it somewhere else. And they'll probably find it in the, arm of some sleazy, in the arms of some sleazy guy who you would not be happy with her being around. So don't be distant. Don't be cutting with your words. And don't hold back when really they're needing us to hold and affirm that they're beautiful, affirm that they're precious, and so on and so forth. And it goes the same for guys as well. You know, guys still, you're never too old. I still hug my dad. I still kiss my dad. I still, I, it still means so much to me that when we can, when we, whenever we meet, we greet, we have a hug. So you don't grow beyond it. Now, I know that there's different levels of that. You know, some of you are more huggy and touchy-feely and some not so. But, you know, what your kids have grown up with, again, maybe bring some more in if you think it's lacking, but don't cut back on what they're used to from when they were younger, okay? That's the first thing. Kids need to know they're loved. Good dads do that. They help their kids to understand it. Secondly, boundaries. Again, I don't know if you read the paper like I do, but recently, just a couple of weeks ago, there was an article in there. Uh, Dr. Michael Carr Gregg wrote a book on parenting recently. He had a chapter in it entitled The Unfortunate Rise of Crap Parenting. Excuse my French. In, in which he notes the rise of totally indulged children. I'm going to put his, a few quotes from his book up here. He said this, Many of the parenting practices I have observed over the last decade fly in the face of a mountain of sound research. We know what children need to help them grow into healthy and resilient adults. And yet I'm seeing a large number of Australian parents hesitant to set limits or boundaries. Some children need to feel badly. It's how they learn to cope. There is a vitamin N deficiency in Australian parenting. Learn to say no. Learn to say no. <laughs> Remember, laws and consequences flow out of love. Loving fathers want to protect their kids. Loving fathers want to have, uh, protect them from harm, but at the same time, they need room to grow. They need room to develop and learn valuable life lessons. Again, a mother's love tends to be more wanting to protect and, you know... <laughs> And he talks about helicopter parents, you know, those are kids who don't let their kids out of their sight, those parents. I mean, I, one of my words was freedom. I remember spending days, you know, almost a whole day just over here at the paddocks fishing and catching yabbies and all that sort of stuff. Because I had a dad who knew that I needed some space. There were boundaries around that. I knew when I had to be home. I knew what the consequences would be if I wasn't home on time. Okay, so we need to have boundaries that, obviously, when kids are younger, they need firmer boundaries, closer boundaries, less room to move. But as their kids grow up, if we continue to keep that in place, they, they will be retarded in their growth. They won't grow and develop and become stronger, and, and, be, and they'll be naive. We need people to learn lessons and, and, and begin to grow and develop as, as uh, individuals. And they do that when they have healthy boundaries in place. So parents, make sure that there are no's that you hold firm to. doesn't matter if everyone else has got Facebook. If you don't want them to have Facebook, and I, and I would encourage you to have a, a, an age of, Our kids didn't have Facebook until they were 16, or Shari, 16. Um, didn't matter what everyone else was doing. In our home, that's, this is the way we do it. And we say no, and we stick to that no. It might be, but all my friends get in at this time. My friend's parents don't care what time they get in. No, you get in at this time. And if you don't, you won't be going out for the next month with your friends. Too bad. We need to have those consequences in place when boundaries are violated. We need to be clear about those boundaries. We need to have consistency in our boundaries. Not, you know, it's okay to do one thing one week and then something else the next. That's very confusing for our kids. Our kids need to know where the boundaries are. And they're going to push against them, guaranteed. But they're supposed to. 
They're supposed to, you know, it's part of the whole growing and developing process. When it comes to consequences, they need to be deterrents. Very challenging for, you know, with, with, with our five children. Now we've got six, but, you know, it's five. We've got the experience of, of knowing what they need. But, you know, different kids need different things. For some, it's like send them to their room, and that's enough. That's enough of a, a consequence. For others, it's like a reward because of what's in their room. We've had to literally send our kids to the toilet. <laughs> it was the only room in the house that didn't have any entertainment value for them. So, all right, stand in there and just don't move. We'll let you know when you can come out. <laughs> Consequence. Not for days on end, all right? Just, just a little, just little time, just a bit of time out there. All right, but it needs to be something that is like a negative consequence. It needs to say, this is not acceptable. Don't go there again. Some people's consequences, they're almost like encouragements to do the wrong thing. So make sure your consequences are deterrents. Make sure they're age appropriate. Again, what's appropriate for a little tacker who, you know, I do not encourage you to try and talk your two-year-old around. A little tap on the backside is going to do far more. I know that's not politically correct today. But it gives an immediate little signal to the brains, all that, oh, ouch. Won't do that again. And they will, but, you know, you have a little reminder. You know, as they get older, you can reason with them. There are things that you can take away from them. There's things you can stop them doing. There are people you can stop them seeing. So make use of all those things, but just make sure that you're consistent and make sure your no remains in place, regardless of what everyone else is doing. Don't think, you know, I mean, as much as people like to think they're growing up at 12 these days, and they look like they're grown up at 12 these days. Keep your boundaries in place. They need you to. We heard Cy Rogers say just, just a couple of uh, Sunday nights ago here that, that our brains don't finish developing until we're about 30 or so. And so what that says to me is that sadly, you know, people are launching into adulthood without a whole bunch of parameters. And you know, there's, there was protective measures in place as society was more cohesive and the community more, was more in place. That, that our kids are being launched into without those things in place now. Families are breaking down. They haven't got the, the friendships that they need around about them. And so people are getting severely damaged because parents are just letting go of boundaries too quickly. We need to keep them in place, in love, with explanation, etc., etc., etc. And our kids will kick against them. You're going to hear some things you don't want to hear. You're going to hear, I hate you. You're going to hear, you don't love me. You're going to hear, I'm out of here as soon as I'm old enough. etc. Stand firm. They'll thank you for it at the end of the day. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train a child in the ways that they will go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. It doesn't mean that they'll never do the wrong thing. It doesn't mean they won't take their own little detours here and there, but it means at the end of the day, they're going to come back, and when they've got their kids, they're going to be doing what you did. They'll thank you for it. The third thing is about example. You know, it's the truth that sons usually aspire to be like their dads, and daughters, as much as this is going to gross you out, my daughters I'm talking to, <laughs> but you're going to look to find someone like your dad. <laughs> daughters generally look to find someone like their dad. That's just the way it is. James Dobson says, all future romantic relationships to occur in a girl's life will be influenced positively or negatively by the way she perceives and interacts with her dad. That being the case for our children, our sons and our daughters, if we are setting them on a path, if they're going to ultimately look for, to be like us or to find someone like us, where are they heading? You know, Paul said, who was a father in the church, he said, follow my example as I follow Christ's. 
And so my challenge to us is, are we first and foremost following Christ? And are we following the examples of others who are following Christ? Because if we are, I think our kids are going to end up in a good place. If we're not, I think we're setting them up for a fall. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And again, I think there's nothing more frustrating for kids in particular than when someone says one thing and does another. Our example is all important. Are we living to a reasonable degree? I say that because no one is perfect. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to fail at some level. But is there a measure of consistency in our life in terms of what we're asking our kids to do, in terms of the way that we, you know, what we say we believe and so on and so forth? Is there a consistency in that? There needs to be. The things you see in your kids, are there frustrating behaviours in them? It could be something to work on in your own life. If your kids are doing stuff, you know, because we see the best and the worst of ourselves in our kids, don't we? Hello? <laughs> so in concluding, I've given some tips, hopefully, for parents, for fathers, but it applies for parents and, and for husbands and wives. You know, these are things to talk about. And, you know, are our boundaries in place? Are our kids feeling loved? Is the example we're setting, you know, what we come to church and espouse on Sunday, is it there from Monday through Saturday? Think about these things. But I'm mindful, again, we were created for a perfect father, and yet at the same time, every one of us has had fallen fathers. Every one of us has a father who cannot compare to our expectations because we were created for perfection. And I want to just look quickly as I close, how can we move past the wounds, the hurts, the pain caused by our dads who maybe weren't there, or maybe who were but weren't, or maybe, you know, they went from woman to woman to woman and, you know, we were just sort of dragged along for the ride. Maybe there's abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, so on and so forth. All of these things are very real and present realities for many people. And I just want to close by just, just bringing a few truths that will hopefully help at least move beyond that because we need to be able to move beyond it. God wants us to move beyond the pains of our upbringing. The first thing is just to acknowledge it. You know, if you're sitting here this morning, well, I hate my dad. That's good to acknowledge that. But it's not good enough. You need to know why. Because if you don't know why, you can't forgive. And so process it. Today's Father's Day. Take some time to reflect on your relationship with your dad and process it. And ask the question, why? What is it that he did? And then when you come to that conclusion, rather than think, he is a mongrel. I hate him and he hated me and that's, that's fine by me. I want you to consider these few things. The first thing, in coming to a place of forgiveness, is just to understand that your fallen father actually himself had a fallen father. He didn't experience perfection either. He didn't have the example he needed to have either. And so often it's monkey see, monkey do. Often we see stuff passed from generation to generation to generation. And your dad was the person on the line before you. And so whatever he's brought into your world that caused you hurt and pain, there's a very good chance that he was before you and experiencing that hurt and pain. That doesn't help you necessarily unless seeing that can help you to forgive more easily. And I encourage you to think about that. I want you to consider the fact that many things that were hurtful to you 
were not inflicted intentionally. They were inflicted by a father who loved you and was doing the best he could with what he had. Unfortunately, many of us come into this world with not too much. We all reflect the image of God in varying and different degrees. Some have all the personality stuff together. Others are just great artists or great builders or whatever, and, and they've got not too much on the ground when it comes to social skills and all that sort of stuff. Take that into consideration. It'll help you forgive. Take this into consideration. One day, you want forgiveness for your own kids. It's as we forgive that we receive forgiveness. Take into consideration that your, earth, your father, or sorry, your expectations for a father were based on that which is created ultimately for your perfect father. And your expectations could never ever be met by your earthly father. And possibly even some of your expectations could not be met and won't be met by your heavenly father either because they're unrealistic. Take that into consideration. It makes it easier to forgive. And finally, take this into consideration. Whatever you feel you've lacked and whatever you have lacked in terms of your earthly father will be more than made up for by your heavenly father. He wants to come into a relationship with you and empower you to move beyond the past. And ultimately, the longings that you have, very real and legitimate longings, the longing to be known, the longing to be understood, the longing to feel secure, all of those things that are father prerogatives, if you like, these things will be met in our Heavenly Father. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 